lightsaber. Not just any lightsaber. It can't be. So you recognize it? That I do. It is the Dark Saber, a symbol for the leader of House Vizsla, and later the group known as Death Watch. I didn't know Mandalorians developed a type of lightsaber. We didn't. This was one of a kind. Skateers, and welcome to another episode of Ghost Stories, a Rebels podcast. I am your host, Spectre 7, and joining me at the round table is Spectres 8 and 9. Guys, are you ready to dive into this? Yes, yeah. sir, we are. Trials of the Darksaber. Man, this was probably probably my favorite episode of the season so far. Uh, I'll take it a step further. My favorite of the season, my second favorite in all of the series. Oh, wow. I enjoyed this episode, but I wouldn't make it that high. <laughs> okay, well, starting with the description, Sabine begins training with the ancient Darksaber, but in doing so, she must also face her past. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting is when you read that, you hear that description and you hear like she has to face her past. When I was going into it, I thought it might be something much more literal. And this is the where we were going to run into the Mandalorians coming in. But in fact, it was mainly a cerebral, it was all internal issues of her past that she had to deal with. And I liked yeah. the fact that it was all internalized. No, exactly. Like it, you, you read that description and you think it's kind of going to be like something from the past. Like when Ezra fought the spirits of the dark, or the night sisters the other night, like you, it, you, we thought it would be more literal, but it was literally her just coming to terms with facing her demons like and the way that Tia Sirkar played it was just so good and yeah oh my goodness like <laughs> I like I I never expected to feel for Sabine like I've always liked Sabine but like I've never expected to feel for her the way I did mm-hmm. and I just I just wanted a hugger and she would probably punch me because Sabine's you know, a badass <laughs> woman. But like you just you felt so sorry for her and you just like want to make sure she's okay. I don't know. Yeah, I, I liked that it was it showed a real vulnerable side to her that we don't always get to see. And I think it surprised her even that she's someone who tries to keep herself really closed off to those kind of emotions. And she tends to be, you know, she's funny and she's serious, but she's also got that real lightness to her. But I think this shows that she's really had to cultivate that within herself to push away, you know, what happened in her past and what she blames herself for and the guilt she feels. And she tries not to think of it, obviously. And it coming out was really hard for her, but it was cathartic and something that she needed to do. And it's some, I think it's something that Kanan needed to go through as well, which I liked. I I think all the acting across the board, the writing across the board was amazing. Um, I loved the way Hera was talking, you know, Hera's part in it and ever basically everybody for the most part was working to help Sabine. Sabine has always uh, been love- a, a mystery to us too though. Mm-hmm. Like and I think this is like the episode we were waiting for like a story arc of Sabine that really kind of lets her guard down and it was interesting to know that the voice actress knew about this and kind of prepared for it. You know, 
I think since season one, I think she knew that eventually that oh, wow. this would come out. But like for me, I was just I was just blown away and how how well everything came out in the episode because secretly it wasn't just a, a, a Sabine episode, which I absolutely loved everything that came out of her, like the anger, the the walls that she put up, and then finally letting it down, and then actually hearing her story, but also what Kanan uh, is kind of going through. Kanan is mm-hmm. in the middle of change. Um, and just kind of his lessons and Hera kind of had to point that out that it's not about you. It's about her facing who she needs to be in order to be a leader. And that became quite clear, uh, towards the end with their apologies. But this was the episode I, I personally was waiting for because I, I feel like in season one, Sabine has always been that intriguing character that we, we just never really got any backstory to. It was just like one day I think we'll, we'll get something, but I I love this episode. I watched it three times already, so Oh wow, that's awesome. And and honestly, like it, it, as much as I love Kanan, like he was kind of a jerk to it and then like to Sabine and you kind of like find out later on that, you know, it wasn't he wasn't super terrible. It was just he was also kind of dealing with his own demons. Like, you know, I tried it with Ezra and it wasn't working. I'm gonna try it with her. And I almost felt like he was doing it with her and he like he was kind of dancing around the point that she's not force sensitive. Like I kept felt I kept feeling like he was thinking that when training her. Right. Uh, that yeah, I felt like he kept training her like he was ex- he was expecting her to do force sensitive things, but that's not who Sabine is. And he didn't know how to adjust to it. Um I think it also really shows Kanan as as much as we look to him as someone who has a lot of knowledge and is, you know, the head teacher for Ezra, there's a lot he doesn't understand himself in training. You know what? Also, too, I know we pointed this out uh, earlier in the season, but I think Mike mentioned it. But every time Kanan is vulnerable, his mask comes off. And finally, when Kanan let go, and that that's kind of been his story this whole season, is just letting go, let, letting go of everything he knows because we know that Kanan's backstory is he was trained in the old ways of the Jedi and up until this point we're realizing that Jedi just kind of became more scientific and less spiritual kind of lost the the basics of being a Jedi and using the force when like Kanan let go he actually had his mask off he was training Sabine when he realized like okay Harrow is correct I need to push her in the right direction to to let her be who she needs to be, who she is, that she can't keep running away from. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I would have made her start with you know training swords too because lightsabers just seem all kinds of dangerous. <laughs> but that was that was something that I thought was really interesting was when he finally lets her use the dark saber. She mentions the weight, which we've never really had a description of the lightsaber like that in the new canon yet in the old canon the lightsaber blade didn't give off any weight so you were literally just swinging the hilt around Mm -hmm. and kind of hoping for the best i think his explanation kind of covered it really well though uh because you know jedi have always kind of gone on this quest to find this kyber crystal and were connected to it right away and in fact all the stuff that just came out of ahsoka's book uh, recently kind of points in that direction a bit. So for Sabine, this is all brand new. And so for her to realize it and then Kanan having 
to explain it to her, you're connecting with the blade when it starts getting lighter. Cause she had never been connected to anything like this where Jedi were more, you know, gone on this quest and, and became one with this crystal. She was kind of just handed this, this, this lightsaber. Yeah. I also liked the fact that, you know, Finn was there to help her with the Mandalore side and got her those van braces and basically, you know, encouraged her to don't, you know, that these van braces could give her the ability to combat a Jedi, you know, the Jedi's abilities. So I liked the fact that not only is she, she using a weapon of, you know, this, a force saber, but she's also using her Mandalorian abilities. And so it's a mixture. And I, I really liked that. Yeah, because we saw that in we saw that in the season three mid the mid season three trailer, like where she uses the vibro cord, like it, it, that was it's so cool to see that, and I it just felt kind of weird because I was like, oh, she hasn't had like the Mandalorian gauntlets the whole time, like I guess I just never really noticed it. Like she always had her communicator, but like actually seeing her with the van braces now like that was really cool yeah and like that sonic like weapon that she hits ezra with that was cool and i didn't understand why kanan was getting so mad because she's using all of her skills right she's using and that's what she needs to do is she needs to use everything that's afforded to her yeah because he tells her several times like you're gonna have to use all your skills and here she is literally doing this she didn't seem like she was relying on it no so i didn't understand i didn't understand kanan's anger but the van braces were a cool thing and it's neat to see a lot of like that mandalorian culture and history come out which we find out the history of the darksaber in this one and how it belonged to the first mandalorian jedi that was pretty cool tar Vizla. I even like the yeah. animation style, the way they presented the, the history of the Mandalores and the Darksaber, kind of the shadows on the wall. And it reminded me of um, Harry Potter and uh, the Deathly Hallows Part 1, where they talk mm-hmm. about the Deathly Hallows story, that the whole shadow and, and silhouettes. It was beautifully done. Uh, it reminded, reminded me of uh, Hercules when, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the paintings on the wall that come to life. Yeah. With the muses. With the choir. <laughs> exactly. But like, I mean, that, that kind of thing, because like, I think I felt like they were going for that because it's like ancient Mandalorian and, you know, ancient Greece and that kind of similar look. But it was really cool to see them talk about like how there's a Mandalorian Jedi and that the dark saber was his and it, and because he's Vizsla and Sabine is part of clan Vizsla, like it's almost rightfully hers in a sense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of people coming for it as, you know, Kanan says, like, you know, you're going to, you bring this out, like people are going to challenge you. Yeah. I like the, the vulnerability though of uh, Sabine in this whole episode, by the way, with the, uh, until she actually starts controlling the, the, the dark saber. But mm-hmm. behind closed doors, Sabine was was moping around. You know. Uh, by the way, I loved the uh, the artwork that she did of the ghost crew above her. Yeah, that I did was too. Pretty sweet. Uh, yeah. Apparently, on the wall underneath that 
is a buddy buddy picture of Callus and Zeb. <laughs> That's funny. Someone someone tweeted out like the concept art of the room, and it <laughs> was like, oh. But when Kane, like, oh, that's awesome. I was going to say, so like, Lando, when... Lando's there, uh, Kane, or Zeb and really? Callus. Callus. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> I was going to say, though, when Kanan actually started pleading to her to start, you know, basically training and, and possibly converting Mandalores to help the Rebels, did you guys catch the Force theme in the back background? No, I missed it. Yeah, and it's that's literally cool. for, like, three or four seconds, and then it kind of just turns, but... I kind of like that continuity here of every time a saber is shown or something, you know, the force theme kind of plays off. Okay. So one of the things I thought was really interesting too, is when Ezra and Sabine are talking, they're basically leaning against the Bendu the entire time. And it's probably the, one of the first, you know, one of the first times that Sabine's had a discussion like this around the Bendu, but of course she didn't know who she, I mean, I don't think even Ezra knew that they were talking while the Bendu was there. And obviously that was kind of just shown and not followed up on. So I'm going to be very interested to see if the Bendu becomes interested in Sabine and trying to help, help this situation with the dark saber, or if he's going to provide more information about the dark saber, but they had to have shown that the Bendu was listening for some reason. Yeah. Because that definitely like implies that, okay, like how does the Bendu work now? Cause you know, it does the Bendu just appear when, like, when he wants to and to who he wants to? Mm-hmm. Or is he going to be able to kind of pop in and out like this? Yeah, I think like, he's an observer, like, at this point. And I think he's his role is kind of, at least to me, in theory, becoming more clear because we're learning more about the Force. That That is the one thing about this season that I'm kind of really enjoying is that it's no longer just Jedi and Sith. He's the balance in between. And one of the more important lessons and the first thing we hear about the Force was from A New Hope and that the Force surrounds us, it binds us. And, and kind of going back to your point earlier, Mike, where Kanan was not necessarily pointing out that she's Force-sensitive, but you know, even Chirrut tapped into the Force. He wasn't Force-sensitive, but he tapped into it. And I think... That's going to be Bendu's role eventually. Is is going to teach her to tap into it. And I think he's just observing the situation as it kind of progresses, or he's being just grumpy Bendu again. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to, I want to see how, like, is he going to interact with Sabine in any way? And in fact, when she goes off by herself at that one point, I thought he was going to appear to her. And like when she comes back over the hill, like after Kanan and Ezra have been talking, like I thought she was going to, as she's coming down the hill, I thought Bendu was going to be walking behind her. (laughs) I kind of was hoping for that too. (laughs) Yeah. Like I was a little disappointed he wasn't, but I understand why, but I want to see like is because Bendu obviously knows, you know, there's more going on, but, it, and we know he's interested in these people, but like, is he interested in Sabine? Like that look is very interesting because we need to see like what's going to come out of that. Right. I'm sure we'll get a follow up. It's just going to be interesting to see what kind of payoff there is Yeah. with that. And uh, the question too, I think I keep thinking about is if, if Bendu's actually um, real, if he, if he's just a spirit or is he real? Because, 
it's kind of interesting to me that she would, you know, kick him and, and lean off of him, argue with Ezra, and then walk away. And then Be- Bendu comes out of the, the ground. How can you not hear that? He's so big. No, exactly. Well, he gets, like, is, he yeah. a, is, he, is he a spirit or is he like, what is going on? He seems to get the jump on people a lot like that. I wonder if his force feeling, you know, whatever force he's using allows him to be quiet or whatever species he is. Uh, there's a lot we don't know about him. Yeah. Like that's kind of a cool point there, Lindsay, because since he is the middle ground of the force, maybe the Jedi and Sith aren't attuned to him because he's just, he's just there. He's just in the middle. Yeah. And sometimes he's in the area that he was, and sometimes he's not. We have to talk about the have, gold, by the way, that was thrown right before this scene with Kanan, uh, where he told her, like, you know, history lesson. The the Jedi beat the, uh, you know, won the Mandalorian War. Yeah. Yeah, because, man, like, that was that was a little harsh. It really was. But, I mean, but it was good because, like, he... I don't understand exactly why Kanan is so prejudiced against the Mandalorians other than the clones are kind of Mandalorians because of Jango Fett. But even then that's still a gray area. Like I, I don't get his prejudice, but it yeah. made for, but it made for a good, like he was really angry. Yeah. But maybe it, there's something involved that we don't know about yet. Well, the thing I was going to say though, the gold from that line was that it kind of, open up the door here for them to take something out of legends again. And I'm talking about Knights of the old Republic, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the beginning set or the, the before setting of the game were, well, yeah, no, because they definitely mention the Mandalorian wars and I, it seems like they're kind of setting it not as far, like not the 4,000 years that the games are, but you know, more reasonable 1000. So it's kind of, I, you're right. Like, and I've and I've said this before. Like, they're sprinkling a lot of Knights of the Old Republic stuff in here, especially from that era. So it, it's nice to see them kind of bringing it in by kind of doing this world building thing. Yeah, seeing like not all legend stuff was was garbage. You know, I, I know it's it became very con- convoluted, and you didn't know what story to go with because one story went one way and the other went the other. But it's really neat to see them kind of pulling the cool stuff out that the fans just absolutely love. And, and Knights of the old Republic is it's in my opinion, still the best game that they've put out in the star Wars uh, universe. And uh, it was kind of heartbreaking. Well, you've obviously that. never played Jedi power battles. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the hands down best game. Wasn't that the first game you played of the star Wars universe? Uh, one of them. I don't remember now. Yeah, but I, I really do. We want to talk a little bit about what she confessed to while she was fighting. Yeah, yeah, we have to talk was, about that because that was that. Brood, I mean, oof. that was that was the big reveal. Like it, it was so cool hearing that, and how we know that she didn't abandon her family; they abandoned her. And that's that's the part I was talking about where, like, I just want to hug Sabine like she she was working on those weapons for the Empire. And then she found out that they were going to basically use them. And the fact that her people were like, nah, it's cool and didn't believe her and basically made her the bad guy 
for even talking about this. Like that's that's harsh. And I, yeah, I, the, I like the balance, it, though, that they didn't make it seem like it was an angry attack where the angry attack could possibly be like the dark side of the force. It was just Sabine finally being Sabine and and admitting why she has all these walls, why she's such a tough girl, why she doesn't let people in. And ah, it was it was very heartbreaking. Yeah, because there's there's clearly bitterness towards, you know, what happened with her you know, her family, the fact that her family didn't listen and that her family chose the empire and deserted her. But at the same time, there's so much guilt coming from her. I mean, internalized guilt over what she did. And, you know, she feels that she helped enslave her people. And so there's so much going on and it's so complex. And I love, it really, really came over in the voice acting along with the the animation it was it was just really really well done it was perfect i was gonna say the style of this episode by the way just reminded me of like old japanese samurai movies uh even the music when she was like sword training Mm -hmm. but just the the theme i think for this episode in 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 all uh of the all the characters was family yeah the fact that she didn't feel she was still unsure that she was going to be able to do this, but you know, they all assured her that no matter what they would stand by her and the rebellion would stand with her no matter what she chose. And I think that's what she really needed to hear because as we just found out, she was never been the one chosen, you know, they, people chose other sides over her. And I think she need, you know, it helps to know that there are people who were going to stick by her. Uh, the thing that, came out of this episode for me, it gave me a new theory and some hope because mm-hmm. the question since rebels began, what's going to happen with the two Jedi? What's going to happen with the rest of the crew? Because they don't appear in Canon. Um, I don't, I don't think Sabine is going to be killed off now. I think her story, she's actually going to end up eventually leaving the ghost crew to kind of put back her world together. Uh, mm-hmm. And for me, that was just such a like touching like feeling to have about this character because you care about her and, and you know, we've been waiting for, for something like from her past to come out and, and it's been coming out in sprinkles this season, but this actually just revealed who she is, but it gave me hope for her future and just what she's going to accomplish. And of course that's a theory, but you know, that's kind of yeah. what I felt. I agree. I think they're setting up for her to go take back Mandalore and go, take her destiny i i just wanted to talk about how endearing ezra was during this whole thing like he ezra this is probably the best ezra we've had in a while (laughs) and like it, it, it was silly but like he he just wanted to help her learn and like when they were just going through the forms and when he runs off to go you know give her the pep talk with the Bendu there. Mm-hmm. Like, I you just want to help so much. Yeah. So that was definitely my favorite Ezra moment. I'm getting a sneaky suspicion that he may have some sort of feelings for her though. I don't want to say that out loud, but well, you just did. So yeah, <laughs> it's just, there's moments where Ezra really overly wants to help. And I, I I'm specifically talking about the moment where, Kanan slashed the vibro bra- uh, bracelet. 
he was like mm-hmm. about to jump on like Kanan almost but like Fen had to like hold him back but we've had moments like that where something is going to happen to Sabine and he he has to be pushed back a little bit so I just I don't know it's kind of weird but maybe it's just he just cares about her like a sister who knows yeah like it, it's it's hard to see like is Ezra still being like the flirty guy or did he just or as he kind of grown out of that and is like treating her like a sister and like, mm-hmm. you know, like this is the family. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to tell right now. I want a little bit more to see if it's something other than just, I'm trying to protect my really good friend. And one interesting thing that they mentioned at the beginning of the episode was that they were Hera, when she's doing a mission briefing was talking about them getting ready for this, uh, to bring an attack to Lothal. So we know they're going to be attacking that TIE Defender Factory. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was a, you know, a neat little seed planting. Error. It, it was kind of a throwaway line, but it it's, you know, they're, they're planning. We're, we're getting into the end game of the season now. My so. prediction, too, is that, like, it's not going to end off too well for them. I think they're going to take care of what they really need to take care of, but... I think they're going to be hit really hard, and I think that's going to be a Thrawn moment. The Thrawn yeah, pin- what's it called? The Thrawn pincher uh, move that he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you definitely going to be wanna interesting. Us, do you want to tell us about it, Lindsay? I well, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to give it away. People need to see it if it's going to happen. All right. If if it comes up, I'll talk about it. You don't <laughs> want to give because the thing is, no, I'm I'm very serious. Like. With with this Thrawn, I think it's it for people who don't know a lot about Thrawn. I think it's very interesting to let some of it play out as n- new to people because they're doing different things with him. But I think he's he's still very much at his core the character that a lot of us grew up with in the books. But it's very interesting to see new fans, you know, fans who are not familiar with him react to him as well. I've been enjoying seeing that as well. No, it's it's definitely be great, and it seems like the fan reaction to Thrawn is like this version of Thrawn. It has been really good, and um, you kind of brought up a point there how they're changing things around. Um, we got a Twitter question from um, Michael Gibbons, who's talked to us before. Um, he says, "Do you think Agent Callus would go the way of the EU Nagri and put an end to Thrawn, possibly?" through self-sacrifice. So do you think that Callus would be the one to do the, uh, the backstabbing? Uh, you know, that would give a really interesting spin on, Ka- I, I could totally see Callus doing it, to be honest. It, you know, if that was the only way he was going to stop Thrawn, I could see him doing it and self, you know, and sacrificing himself in that way. And it'd be kind of interesting because it would also, again, fill in you know it would mirror what happened to Thrawn in the books it's just that Callus would have more meaning behind it because he wasn't just an imperial he's an imperial who's working for the other side who's been a you know a mole this entire time that Cal you know maybe Thrawn didn't even realize because I've been under the assumption that Thrawn knows about Callus but he could easily not like what we talked about in last episode is that he could think it's somebody else and it would be a great turn for maybe that reveal to happen as he's taking Thrawn out. Not that I want Thrawn taken out, but it, when he's taken out, cause he's never going to 
he's never going to make it past the show. <laughs> um, I think that'd be kind of an interesting idea. I like it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I actually like the theory a lot. Uh, it kind of mm-hmm. made me rethink my own theory. But I still think uh, Callus is actually going to die in the end. Uh, and I don't think they're going to kill off Thrawn just yet. I think they're just still going to make it a tough, tough thing to get past uh, for the, the Rebels crew. Um, but now, I really like the theory, though. It's a really well, good one. You know what would be the worst? Is if Callus sacrificed himself, you know, did a, what he thought was a mortal blow to Thrawn. And as Callus is dying... He realizes that he didn't kill Thrawn. Thrawn's just wounded. Yeah. Is that I mean, too just, dark? <laughs> no, no, that's that's too Thrawn fangirly. So. Shush. But if you guys have any questions that you want to shoot to us, please send them to the Twitter at Ghost Stories Pod. Uh, but guys, closing thoughts on this episode. I real I really enjoyed it. I. I did not enjoy it as much as you guys, I don't think, but I think it was one of the top episodes of the season for sure. I really enjoyed it's a, it's a quieter episode, but I really really liked the building they did with Sabine and I think it was it was really pitch perfect. I'd give it a a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I took the words right out of my mouth except I was really excited about this episode. Mm-hmm. And for me, it reminded me of my favorite episode a bit, uh which was from season 1 called path of the Jedi. And, uh, I revealed and the reason why I love that episode was because it wasn't just a test for Ezra to see if he could let go of the anger and become a Jedi. It was a test for Kanan as well to be a teacher. And I think there's a, there's a side of Kanan that we all are just super attractive, attracted to. And, um, we're, we're attracted, you know, Kanan's attractive. So, (laughs) No, I meant like as, as as far as energy goes and his character, Mike. Thanks. No, but no, I um, mean he's attractive. <laughs> but there was something really just awesome about Freddie Prince's uh, voice acting in this. If it felt like he took over this role, but Kanan made some mistakes, and I like that Kanan makes mistakes uh, and, and learns from them and grows from them and is able to change. He's not uh, he's not one of those guys that's so stubborn and 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 falling in the old ways. But also the fact that we get to see Sabine become somebody else, you know, not the, just a weapons expert, but she may be, become leader of uh, Mandalore one day. And it was all through this episode. It was just a matter of her getting in touch with herself and being honest with herself and being honest with her crew and, and realizing that they're going to back her up no matter what. So 10 out of 10. And yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> could not have said it better. 10 out of 10 for me as well. Um, now rebels is going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus, but that doesn't mean we will, we're going to be, uh, doing a couple uh, special edition episodes to kind of talk about some other developments in the star Wars rebels fandom and, uh, some kind of cool tidbits that came out about, uh, rebels and rogue one. So stay tuned for those during this month hiatus when, uh, rebels will be back for legacy of Mandalore. So, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of Ghost Stories, the Rebels podcast. Uh, like I said, you could hit us up on Twitter at Ghost Stories Pod. But if you want to talk to us individually, you can hit me up on Twitter at It's the Rocketeer. That's I-T-S, the Rocketeer. Uh, Spectre 8. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Betty. That's Betty with an I-E, Bloodshed. Or on Twitter at SDCC Nerds Attack. And Spectre 9. 
Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at yeah, buddy Ernie. We are part of the Random Chatter Network, so you can catch the other show that Ernie and I do on the network called The Retro Convo, and the other show that Lindsay and I do called Force Chatter, where we discuss, you know, more Star Wars stuff, not just Rebels. But there are other great shows on there as well, including Echo Base, Outer Rim, Random Chatter, and all the other TV show podcasts. Now, one last thing I do want to plug. If you guys are going to Star Wars Celebration Orlando, there is a charity event going on called Drowning in Moonlight. Uh, It is a charity benefit for uh, Carrie Fisher, thrown by some other people out there in the Star Wars podcast community. Um, So definitely check that out. More information is to come. But uh, yeah, until then, guys, may the force be with you. 